Geeks, and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who thinks portal stories has something to do with a CD truck stop in Southern Pennsylvania, Mr. Lauren Baumgarten. Lauren! What is up, Brent Adams? How are you, my friend? What's going on, man? Uh, that's a good one. That was, that was a good one. Thank you. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the funny ones always are. Uh, That's why we laugh. Uh, it's very funny, but I'm excited what it's referring to this week. Uh, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, man, and I'm also excited to uh, to talk about not only uh, the the story that we've already foreshadowed, but uh, but all of the uh, the stories in media, and it is a media heavy garage section this week you know we, we, we normally mix it up with news and stuff like that but it's all trailers all the time in the garage this week and so i propose we go ahead and kick things off right now with the aforementioned portal stories reference um there's a new portal mod coming to steam Greenlight on march 1st right that's what they're saying right now uh-huh and it is called Portal Stories Colon Mel. There's a trailer for it. It's on Steam. We're linking to it. It's on YouTube. And this may be the closest that we get to a Portal 3, which Valve has given us no indication that they're working on. But uh, this, this mod has been in development for three years, and boy does it show. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive uh, in terms of its scope, its level of detail, and uh, and certainly there's there's quite a bit of buzz about uh, about how much uh, how how good this is going to be. I th- did they give any kind of indication of? I'm trying to remember. I, I thought I read somewhere about about how much gameplay you know time that uh, that there might be uh, in going through this. And, and I'm struggling to remember it now. They did. But, they um, said they said anywhere between four and twelve hours, depending on how much time it takes you to solve puzzles. Four and twelve hours. Of more badass portal action for free. That's right. I said for free. Um, a good-looking trailer, though, man. Didn't you think? Yeah, I'm excited. You know what they didn't show in the trailer is the voice work, uh, which very true. Is, is such a key part of Portal. The humor is so so important, and so I'm very excited to see. It is voiced. It is fully voiced, and so mm-hmm. uh, just an amazing, amazing amount of work for the community and Portal. The Portal games, both of them are. are uh, in my opinion, among the best games ever made, and they're they're just they're so creative and and fun and and uh, just so good in every way, and I'm super super excited for this. Yeah, I agree. Um, if I were going to give those games a review scores, they would be like you know, eleven out of tens and things like that. <laughs> are, um, you, are you are you being a smartass? Are you trying to foreshadow? No, I, look, I just Uh-oh. you know, like I have poo pooed review scores for so long, and you know maybe I was wrong all this time. Like maybe I was wrong. And maybe I should just, you know, kind of embrace, uh, you know, embrace the review score thing. Because, I mean, it seems to work, right? So, anyway, uh, the next trailer in the garage is an announced trailer for a game called White Knight. No K in that, right? Correct. No ketamine. But White Knight, N-I-G-H-T. This is a title coming to PlayStation 4. Uh, is it in? Is, I think it's also in March. I'm trying to remember the, the date at the end of the trailer. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll look that up while we're talking here. But anyway, uh, for my money, 
probably the thing I'm most excited about in the garage this week. Really? Really, really stylistically cool and evocative game. Um, Very unique graphic style. It is, you know, think kind of like Sin City, the video game. You know, not not shades of gray, but black and white, heavy outlines. Uh, It is a, um, it's got, you know, major, I'm sorry, it's April. It's April 3rd this year. Uh, it's got major film noir, you know, kind of overtones and, and things like that. But it's also, you know, kind of like a, a spooky haunted house, maybe survival horror kind of game. I'm I'm all about it. I, I really, really got into this trailer. I thought it looked awesome. Very evocative. What did you think? I agree, man. I mean, that's that's why I put it on there, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I thought I love I love the noir style. I wish there were more games in the noir style. Um, Agree. And uh, this is this comes completely out of left field uh, and is you know theoretically going to be out in a couple months. And I, I just think it looks super super intriguing, and I can't wait to see more about it. I, I love. Uh, I, I think stylistically, it's it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, there's we need to know more about the gameplay, but uh, yeah. this this uh, announcement trailer, announcement teaser, announcement trailer did exactly what it's supposed to do, which is that it has me super super interested in the game. Yeah, it uh, the, the 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 particulars that we're seeing right here seem to involve, I guess, essentially the setup for the game, which is you driving along a dark uh, dark road at night, and then you know suddenly a figure dashes through your your headlights, and you swerve to avoid missing uh, what looks like a woman, and hit a tree, wind up at this abandoned old house, and then it seems you know we're seeing a lot of kind of exploration gameplay, and certainly the uh, Certainly, the atmosphere and tension is uh, is pretty high in the trailer. I, I'm I'm just like you though. I'm dying to know more. It looks yeah, and, uh, really really cool. Obviously, we won't have to wait too long, which I think is one of the coolest things about it. Yes, it, well, and yeah, this is this is the way I like it. The the way I like it is, hey, here's a really cool game. You know what? It's coming out like in two months. That's yep. that's what I like. Indeed. All right. Um, the Order 1886 Experience, Lauren. This one might take a little bit of setup. So uh, why don't you tell us? A little bit about what the Order 1886 experience is and why it's in the garage this week. Yeah, I put it in because I think it's just really interesting as a piece of media, Brent. Um, uh, I, I think it's really, really well done. If you go to, I can't remember if, I think it's just the main page of the Order's, um, we have the link here, but if it's, it's the Order's um, actual website. Main website. Yeah, and, and it's re- it really is an experience. And there's, a, there's sort of a 10-part quote-unquote experience there uh, where you can click on things and you can watch four, four five, six, seven-minute videos, which I think is... Uh, which are really, really nicely done. And then there's additional bonus content and more video if you want to watch it. If you go through all 10 steps, you get a a PlayStation code for a downloadable dynamic uh, theme, which will be available next Tuesday, the 17th. The game comes out uh, next Friday, actually. It comes out. It's on the 20th, um, even in North America, which is odd. Um, But that's how they're doing it, which is great. Um, And... um, uh, but I just think it's a really well done experience. If this is a game you're, not, if this is a game you're interested in, I, I feel like the website and with the energy that they put into creating um, a place for you to to sort of uh, immerse yourself in the game a little bit and learn about it before the game comes out. Um, I, I feel like they did a really nice job, and I have to say it's reinvigorated my interest in the game. Now I am uh, I'm, I am absolutely not going to buy this game until after it comes out because I think. I think the game looks unbelievably gorgeous, but uh, I, I, you know, there there are definitely some gameplay questions I have 
concerns yes. I have about the game. They, yes. they are. My thoughts also. They are. Um, the review embargo is up on the 18th, so the review embargo is up a couple days before the game comes out. Um, you know, if my, my biggest concern is the behavior of the AI. That's my biggest concern in this game, honestly. Um, the the world looks fantastic, be- fantastically beautiful, interesting. The voice acting sure. st- sounds stellar to me. Uh, the gameplay, um, while fairly standard, looks like it has some really interesting weapons and different takes on that. Um, so for me, the real concern is the enemy AI and the pacing in the game. So I'm looking to hear some feedback specifically on that once the reviews are out. But uh, but I just I just think it's a really well done piece of media, Brent. Yeah i I think that everything about the Order 1886 leaves me. In a very sort of strange place, uh, in that I I do think that the game looks really interesting, but, but I can't quite decide if I really like want to play it all that bad. Um, I I think that the thing that I'm most concerned about, just to sort of speak to the point you raised, is whether or not the game is going to feel too repetitive. I think I, I wonder about. If it's just going to feel kind of like the same cover mechanic gunfight over and over and over and over again, and that's not to say that there's not games that I mean that you know that's what Uncharted is, right, was, and that's a, one of the first things I thought of as you were saying that. Yeah, it, it, that's not to say that if it's the same gunfight over and over and over again that it can't be a good game, but I I, I watch media and stuff for it, and I I just I can't decide if. I'm if I'm actually excited about it or not. So I also am kind of interested to see uh, how people are responding to it after it comes out. Uh, I agree with you that it looks fantastic, really gorgeous game. Voice acting, as you said, sounds great. So for me, I think I just need to I need to find out if the pacing of the game, if the if the gameplay mechanics are deep and fulfilling enough to warrant a a purchase or or a rental you know but just warrant the time investment to uh to get through this game yeah I, I, we'll see it's not too far off now and i'm i'm excited to see brent i think i think the game has potential i've just seen some things that are concerning but it it's from media that's you know at least a couple of months old and so based on feedback who knows what they've tweaked or you know yeah. again what what we have been have seen or haven't seen but uh so i'll be interested to see that um and certainly the talent behind it has proven out before so absolutely yeah all right, so this next one is all you, buddy. Well, well <laughs> it is all me. I was—I I put it on there because specifically, well, not specifically, but I really wanted to know if this was at all interesting to you. Um, yes and no. I mean, the kitsch factor is pretty cool. Um, and, well, and, and rather than bury the lead, we're talking about an announcement trailer for a video game called Summer Camp, which has this uh, this very cool lo-fi retro think. Think you know Far Cry Three Blood Dragon uh, in in terms of in terms of the, the kind of nostalgia sort of feeling that you get for this and certainly uh, you know summer if summer camp evokes sort of imagery of late seventies early eighties teen slasher flicks then you got it on the money and if you think that this genre uh, needs a video game, and that if this genre needs a video game, then it must also include the participation of Tom Savini, then you've got the gold star for this week's episode <laughs> of Outlaw Gamer Radio, because that is exactly what this motherfucker is. Uh, yeah, I did, I, I did not know who Tom I certainly would not have known the name Tom Savini. Oh, really? Yeah, Tom Savini's a... 
Well, he's a he's a, he's an actor. Yeah, no, I mean, I, well, once I saw him, I, I knew guy. who he was and read about him, but I, I certainly would not have known that by the name. <laughs> he's but. also an infamous asshole. Like, if you like, if you just like, it, just Google like Tom Savini is a dick or Tom Savini is an asshole, and you'll find forum threads from people who have met this guy at conventions and things like that, and have had a bad experience with him. I actually had a, uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, who saw him at Dragon Con back in the nineties, and this was before. Before his career had like really kind of had kind of gone to the levels that it is now, they, I, I think he still had some kind of cult status back then. But uh, a friend of mine saw him uh, at Dragon Con in the nineties, and like it was just like walking past him, like I guess like in and out of a hall or something like that. And my friend exclaims, uh, "You know, Tom Savini, you rock!" And Tom Savini goes, "Fuck off, asshole!" And just keeps walking. <laughs> Um, I have to ask you, what, what is Dragon Con? Uh, Dragon Con's a, uh, it's a convention that takes place in Atlanta. You know, it's, it's like a, uh, you know, it, it's like a, like a horror movie, sci-fi. I mean, it's just, you know, fantasy, uh, you know, kind of convention. There's always, uh, always a lot of cosplay. You know, usually there's, you know, you got, uh, pe- you know, people like Tom Savini, the guy that played, uh, Pinhead in the uh, the Hellraiser movies, you know, signing autographs, doing panels, stuff like that. Uh, you know, Gwar Gwar played uh, Dragon Con many times, so it's just you know basically kind of a it's just a fan con for uh, you know for movie, TV, comics, stuff right? Like that. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, no, I just thought this was really interesting, Brent. I love I like horror games. I love horror movies. Uh, I like the idea that they're doing you know that they're making no bones about the fact that it's a straight homage to the Friday the Thirteenth series. Um, sure. This actually prompted me to go out and look at, and I think I might actually, I might actually put this on the docket for next week. But oh, actually, you know, Brent, I just remember that uh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you, but we won't have a show next week. Uh, I'm oh, gonna, that's so weird because I was going to tell you we can't have a show next. I week. am uh, taking a small vacation to Foz do Iguazu, the widest falls in the world, or something like that, uh, here in the border of Brazil and Argentina. But um, so. Uh, PSA folks that sounds awesome. n- no show next week uh, so maybe the following so maybe the following uh, week I will put this on the docket but it made me I trip in looking at this and looking up uh, games like this I tripped over um, some footage about seven minutes of gameplay from um, Until Dawn the yeah. the other horror film that's coming out uh, on the PS4 or the horror game, yeah. excuse me, uh, in the we future. We talked about it a bit. Yeah, there was seven minutes of gameplay from mid December that I don't know how I missed it, um, but it's really really interesting looking. It's again a very similar homage uh, to the sort of Friday the Thirteenth, and I I just think it's very intriguing. I love this. I didn't know if it was something that you would be interested in, and I and I'm sure that there are listeners out there who will be interested. It's one of those things that I'm more excited about the fact that it exists than from any actual desire to play it myself. Well, there you go. It's like, hey, man, I'm glad I'm glad you're alive. I'm glad you're around. Don't really want to hang out. Right. It's, well, it's, it's like this show. I think most of our listeners are glad it exists, but they, they don't really want to listen to much of it. <laughs> Nicely done. All right, guys, we are in the clubhouse where we pull up a chair, sit down and discuss a relevant topic in the gaming industry today. And uh, typically we start out the clubhouse with a poll, uh, but I don't this week. We're not don't we, though. What? But we're not doing that this week, Brent. No, that's on account of the fact that uh, I forgot <laughs> to do a poll. Last week. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes these things slip my mind. And last week was uh, one of those times. Of course, last week we we talked about this this really interesting uh, game 
slash interactive history lesson that's uh, being worked on by a, a former rock star dev concerning the uh, 1979 uh, revolution in Iran. And, you know, if it makes you guys feel any better, even now as I recount this story, I can't imagine like what I would have asked. I would have asked some kind of question about, are you excited by the idea of video games being used to teach history, and there would have been a yes, no, and then some kind of smart-ass, hey, I ordered a cheeseburger answer. So right now, you can do the poll in your minds. And our audience being the thoughtful, amazing people that they are, I'm sure that the majority of you would have said yes. I was going to say, do you want to go ahead and just say, coming in in third place was no with 24% of the vote. (laughs) Coming in in second place was the cheeseburger with 32% of the vote. And coming in with a whopping 44% of the vote was yes. Yes. So there are your your retroactively predicted poll results, courtesy of Outlaw Gamer Radio. And it's... (laughs) And it's no wonder why you're so excited that this show exists, but not all that interested in this. <laughs> That's a true story. But let's make it all up right, to them, Brent, so because I think, I think we have a really interesting topic this week. And this topic, uh, we this do. week's topic, we're going to talk about re- game reviews and how games should be judged. Uh, and this topic actually came out of um, last week's show where I talked about Dying Light, and I made an offhand comment where I was, I was saying... Um, Something along the lines of, and I'm going to elaborate on this, but I made a comment saying, I, I suppose if I had to give the game a review score right now, it might be a 7 out of 10, but because there's so many technical issues and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I, it was kind of, it was a really an offhanded comment, and it was really meant to be more of a, just a, just a brief comment a about like, way. yeah, about, you know, it's interesting this game, how one would rate it, because it's got a lot of technical issues, but it's so much fun to play. And I'm, I'm going to talk about more time playing it in, in the, uh, when we hit the road uh, today. But, but uh, so Rowan, uh, one of our moderators, um, kind of grabbed onto that comment and, and started a discussion in the comments about the sort of nature of review scores of that. And I thought, oh, this would be an interesting topic, especially with Dying Light, which is a great example of uh, a great game to use as an example. And then in the wake of that, Brent, a couple days later, uh, Polygon announced uh, their introduction of provisional reviews, uh, which is to say that they're going to start putting uh, reviewing games uh, Provisionally, some of their game reviews will actually say that they're a provisional review, and that score will not go to Metacritic until they've had a chance to fully test a retail version of the game uh, after the launch of the game uh, include to include, and especially for games uh, that rely heavily on the online component, because frequently what's happening, obviously, as we all know, games get reviewed ahead of time. It's not under real-world conditions. The games come out under real-world conditions, and it's a completely different experience. And so um, they, true. they introduced provisional reviews to sort of deal with that. And then just a couple, just today, I think, uh, I saw that Eurogamer um, has announced that they're dropping review scores altogether uh, and yeah. removing themselves from Metacritic. Uh, and, what do you know? And what they said was, uh, they cited sort of a few things. The main thrust of which for them was that games uh, as, as a product have evolved to such a degree that the sort of review systems of yore are no longer feel applicable because games are no longer something that uh, you, you receive as a reviewer a week or two ahead of time. It is the same product that goes out to the consumer. The game launches, and that is the game, and it doesn't change. Uh, now, games there's games as service. Frequently, reviewers will get... Um, 
versions of the game that don't match up with the retail version. Games are so yeah. heavily reliable, uh, uh, rely so heavily upon uh, online aspects, you know, and we've seen this with many games like uh, Sim, Sims, Sim, SimCity 4. Is that right? SimCity 4? Um, or just, I think it was SimCity. Sim I'm sorry, SimCity. Um, uh, Destiny, you know, Battlefield, tons of these games that sure. rely so heavily on the online component. And when they hit the streets, uh, you know, their infrastructure is not ready and it creates an experience. Drive Club is another one. Um, mm-hmm. So Eurogamer has said uh, that the, the sort of nature of games has changed so much uh, uh, that they don't feel like review scores apply anymore. And they also cited the idea that uh, exactly what I wanted to talk about at the beginning of this, which is that idea of, you know, you have games that are like extremely technically proficient, but uh, have terrible storytelling and acting, for example, or uh, wonderful storytelling and acting, but uh, have real gameplay issues or bugs uh, that hinder the experience. And so uh, how do you rate a game like that? And so they have decided yeah. to get rid of their games. What they're doing instead, Brent, uh, is they have devised a system whereby, so as I said, they're not, they're removing themselves from Metacritic. Uh, and they are going to use a system of sort of badges or awards. And there are basically three badges or awards. One of them is essential, as in this is an essential game for any gamer to play, to have in their canon, uh, in Eurogamer's opinion, of course. Uh, recommended um, and avoid. Uh, those are the three sort of um, badges that a game will get. Uh, and then not every game will get those. You might also yes. not get one. Yeah, I was I was going to say that it's it's important to to point out that not every game according to them is going to receive one of these badges that there will be many games that fall, you know, through the cracks between these recommendations and you know those could be games that have those could be games that you know have interesting things going on but just don't quite rise to the level of a recommendation or fall to the level of an avoid. Right, uh, somewhere so in between. I guess, I guess basically if they don't have a badge, they're very firmly mediocre in some fashion or another. Uh, right, exactly. And so I, I, now, interestingly, uh, as an aside, they, they are, however, allowing themselves to uh, participate in the Google rating system because Google traffic is so important to them yeah. that they have basically said to Google, you can take our essentials and make them five stars. You can take our recommended, make them four stars. And you can take our uh, avoids and make them one star. And anything else is a three star. Right. Um, because they want to be included in the Google system, which I think is uh, interesting in and of itself. But so An th- interesting concession, certainly. It is. So this is what I wanted to talk about, Brian. It was sort of how do What do you want to talk about? The, 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 the idea of how should games be reviewed. I think that uh, as as anybody uh, knows who followed us from Epic Battle Axe, which is most of you, um, you know, one thing that uh, that I'll, I'll say about this subject is that I've heard all of these, uh, all of the kind of the reasoning and the the logic behind uh, the, these things that we're talking about right now. I heard all this six years ago from Daniel Kaiser. Uh, Daniel was the guy that uh, that really turned me around on the idea of review scores Pri- prior to meeting Daniel and talking with him about this subject at length uh i was i was like yeah you know review scores are great and but you know after after having many conversations with daniel about it he really he changed my mind on it because i think that i think that and that was you know bear in mind that was 6 years ago that was before we we got a, as far along as we are now so i think i think pretty forward thinking on his part but um I agree that I, I think that review scores 
are not very they're not very useful to me um, because the th- the thing that I have found over the years is that the reason that people will review games the way that they do um, doesn't uh, doesn't always make for a meaningful kind of reflection of the qualities of that game that I may enjoy or not enjoy as the case may be. And that's not to say that all review scores are fundamentally flawed or that people aren't honest or that they're, they're necessarily arbitrary. I remember uh, reading a, an article and, and, and I, and I got to speak with him a little bit about, about this, uh, an article from Jim Sterling back in, in the destructoid days where he was talking about how he, arrived at at a review score and that's how sometimes his review score surprised even him because they had a set criteria for you know how basically points would be awarded to a game based on experiences in these categories and at the end you just tallied it all up and it's like okay well there's the review score and i think that you know it, it made sense to them and, and you know maybe it made sense to their readers i don't know but the point is that i think that metacritic number one is um and I think Polygon also are I think they're they're making a a statement here and I think that this is a direct result of the things that we talk about on this show from time to time that gamers talk about on our website and many others that is discussed on other podcasts and that is the dissatisfaction that gamers in general feel uh with how games are released with the review embargo shenanigans with the the problems of of review copies being based on perhaps more stable code than the actual release of the game the retail release of the game is all of those things that have have caused us frustration and that we've talked about dozens of times over the years both here and of course at epic battle axe uh, I, I think that this is a, du- a direct result of Polygon and Eurogamer looking at that situation and acknowledging that their readership is not being served all that well by the way that the, the scores used to work. And the, the scores may have worked really, really well at one time, but games have just become, I think, too... I, th- I think they've become more complex as 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 a medium. Number one, and and sometimes there is more, there is greater need for nuance than perhaps there once was. But also, I think it is a reflection of the you know the, the internet connected appliance uh, that video game consoles have become, and the the way that that publishers and developers have exploited that to you know essentially um, uh, put out games that that really aren't quite finished until the day they release and sometimes later. Yeah, indeed. You know, and uh, uh, Eurogamer outright, uh, by the way, is just an aside, uh, outright acknowledges the fact that they think Metacritic is a bad thing for the gaming industry as a whole and yeah. that they're certainly Which, not uh, alone. I think most... I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, I, I like the idea of Metacritic in, in concept, right? in practice, what it has done to the game industry and the way that developers and publishers kind of build a business model around Metacritic. I, I don't disagree with, with that evaluation. Yeah, it's, it's, um, 
I, I don't either. And I don't, I don't think almost anyone does, honestly. I think that, uh, and they're quick to say, like, it's not the fault of the people that started Metacritic or the site itself. It's actually no, a good it's, idea. It's a great idea. But the way it has played out is, is, is uh, had a negative impact. And so, um, you know, I have to say, Brent, you know, it's interesting. As I pulled up really quickly the Evolve Review Roundup uh, GameSpot yeah. had put up, and uh, currently, um, of the, I think they have maybe eight sites listed or nine sites listed. One, two, three, four. Five, six of the nine sites listed have not given a score for Evolve yet, uh, which is how interesting. And, and all major sites: Games Radar, Eurogamer, Polygons is provisional, Kotaku, PC Gamer, and IGN. None of those, uh, none of those websites have given an actual score for the game yet, which I think is, I think yeah. is fantastic. That's six out of nine. That's yes, two thirds of those ex- major sites. Have that's said, exactly you know what? Right. We recognize this is a game that's we've been burned too many times by this. Um, we're not going to sort of participate in reviewing it until we can see what the actual experience is, which I think is great. So, well, let's take that. Let's take that one step further for just one second. Yeah. And if if Metacritic, if those sites aren't putting out a a review right now that Metacritic can draw upon, or or perhaps you know just for the readership of those sites who who tend to go to those reviews, those review scores. Uh, when trying to decide whether or not they're going to pick up a game, will this perhaps be the thing that motivates that behavior that we were talking about recently about not buying games on day one, about waiting a day or two or six for the game to get released, get out into the wild, and for people to have an opportunity to really fairly evaluate it under real-world conditions before going out and picking it up? And I wonder if, you know, and we've talked about that a lot of times. People are like, oh, you know, gamers don't have the discipline for it. I wonder, though, if not having these reviews or recommendations, as the case may be, from these major outlets, I wonder if that would help motivate that behavior. It just might. I mean, it's, it's, it's these big websites essentially saying, like, don't, you should wait until we can check this out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, until I, you buy it, I think so. So you know what's interesting, Brent is so so again. Where this arose from was my my relationship to Dying Light and uh, just that idea of uh, you know I enumerated a, a number of sort of either you know uninteresting uh, aspects of that game or technical issues, you know substandard graphics, um, mm-hmm. you know substandard in my opinion um, script writing and and stuff like that. And uh, but. Yeah. But at the same time, alluded to the fact that it was tons of fun to play. And so how do you rate a game like that, right? And so uh, in thinking about this discussion, you know, I, I've sort of went through Rowan's arguments and stuff that you and I have talked about before. And I, I hadn't really come around to what I think the answer was uh, until I have to say, at least at this point, um, what Eurogamer is doing feels um, feels like a really good solution, in my opinion. So... One thing that I should add, so we talked about on the forums, and I've talked about this before publicly, the idea of rating games by how much they're worth. My friends and I talk about, you know, when it gets down to 15 bucks, I'll buy it, or right, oh, at right, 30 right, bucks, right. you know, and, and there's an issue yeah. with that we talked about on the forums where those $60 means something different to somebody who makes 100 grand a year and somebody who Very makes true. 30 grand a year and has a kid, right? And so that, that's a difficult, difficult way to, to quantify things. But, um, I really like what Eurogamer is doing. So what they're doing, by the way, and I, I didn't mention this before, is they recognize that people want from a review, they want the ability to look at it quickly and get a sense of is it good or not. Yes. Or we were the same. You're going to talk about like the one sentence kind of right. Summation. So they're putting this badge yes. or whatever it is at the top of the review, not no longer at the end of the review, which I think is brilliant because getting you to scroll down does really nothing. 
Um, and if they want to serve their customer base, this is they're serving their customers by doing this. They're putting the badge at the top and a one sentence, they said roughly 140 characters, like a tweet essentially, summarizing their overall feelings of the game. So you can get a sense of, and, and frankly, Brent, this is really what I want to know from a review is, you know, I know the difference between essential and recommended. Like there are, to me, Red Dead Redemption is essential. Like that's Journey yes. is essential. These are games that I think every person on the planet should play, honestly. Yeah. Regardless Borderlands of... Borderlands might be recommended as, as an... You know, uh, by comparison. Right, right. Uh, I think Portal is an essential game. I mean, there's many of them, but yeah. um, and, and certainly people are going to have different feelings on this. Many people think, for example, The Last of Us is essential, and I think it's not. Um, yeah. But uh, And certainly there's going to be differing opinions, but I know the, di- the difference in that concept. Other than that, I kind of just want to know, like, exactly what they're doing. Do you recommend it or not? And Or and is this like a, a stay away from this at all costs, right? So, yeah. like, the difference between a 7 and an 8 and an 8.9 and even a 9 to me, you know, there are plenty of games that have received seven sevens or 8s from very respected outlets that I absolutely love. Um, it doesn't have to... So the difference between a 7 and a 9 is almost irrelevant. Is it a good game? Do you recommend it? Uh, and beyond that, I also want to know if it's like... If it's just so... Bad, like if when Rambo comes out again, <laughs> Rambo 2, I would like to see that little thing that says avoid this at all costs. You know what I mean? And, and right. anything in between, I know what you're, you're, that you're saying to me. Like, you may or may not like it. There's some issues you should probably read deeper for sure uh, well, to really think about whether or not you want this. I, I just... I think what they're doing seems... Seems intuitively like like they're hitting all the right buttons, with the one exception of I think it's odd that they're allowing themselves to partake in the Google um, uh, rating system based on this sort of philosophical flag they're planting. I understand it's a business decision, and it's important for them to get traffic, so I totally understand why they're doing it. It just seems very odd to like plant this philosophical flag, and three-quarters of the way through your... Um, you know, through your um, speech on as to why you're doing that, you say, but, you know. Well, yes, and, and, and I mean, let's face it. I mean, the financial viability of the site, they're, you know, they're. Yeah, own, yeah, no, no, and I don't begrudge them that because I understand. Not being on Metacritic to, is probably going to cost them some traffic. Well, I, I agree with that, but uh, so I, I understand, and I'm not going to beat them up for no, 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 no. doing something that's going to keep their website online. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, as yeah. opposed to, you know, we believe in this principle so much, you know, we'll fucking, you know, run our site financially into the ground. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't expect them to avoid hypocrisy at that cost. No, no. Um, but so I can understand that. But the Metacritic thing that you just mentioned is an interesting point about will this damage them not being on Metacritic. But I would like to propose that Metacritic could evolve in this regard to uh, to accommodate sites like Eurogamer and hopefully other sites that adopt a similar approach to reviews. And that is as opposed to aggregating review scores simply aggregate these one sentence summations so very quickly you could go to metacritic and you could read nine of these brief summations from eurogamer polygon in any without without the need to see a number that's exactly right without the need to see a number you could go and you could very quickly read nine sentences from major gaming outlets that will tell you what they think of this game fantastic story really pretty but repetitive game mechanics and pacing can make it seem like a drudgery at times. You know, if, if you see nine variations on that idea, then I think that would give you a pretty decent idea of what that game is about 
And then you as a player can make a determination, I think pretty informatively, a pretty informed determination uh, of whether or not that game is going to be a good fit for you. I think that Metacritic could could evolve to incorporate that kind of feedback um, in addition to the traditional scoring system, and, and I think that everybody wins. So I, I don't think that... Uh, I agree with you that in the short term, this could potentially hurt Eurogamer stepping away from Metacritic, but I would like to see Metacritic evolve along with sites like Eurogamer and Polygon to address the fact that review scores alone are not enough and that way metacritic can stay relevant moving forward yeah i agree this is I, again I, I think what Eurogamer is doing is extremely interesting it is i i now whereas i am not have not been historically necessarily a real big reader of Eurogamer, i have now bookmarked their review page uh, specifically because of this because of this interesting and i i think um uh, a very forward-thinking new system, and it's how I would like to receive my reviews in the future. And so I'll be curious to see how this plays out over time if if other websites adopt it. Um, yeah. With that, Brent, let's why don't we turn it over to the audience? I would like to know what people think about um, you know how games should be reviewed. Is a number system appropriate? A star system? Do you like what Eurogamer is doing? Do you like what Polygon is doing? Uh, what do you think about how games should be reviewed? Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments. I think it's a very very interesting discussion. And thank you to Rowan for bringing it up. Okay, guys, we are going to hit the road and get our hands on some actual games this week and uh, talk about our experiences. I'm going to kick it over to Lauren to start things out. Lauren. Yeah, so the first uh, first thing I have up on the docket this week, Brent, is a, a small game that came out as the PlayStation Plus free, one of the two free games on PlayStation Plus for February, uh, the first of which is Transistor, which I already have, and if you don't, you should get it. It's an amazing game. Uh, the second of which is a game called uh, a. Apotheon. Uh, it is yeah. it is a side scrolling platformer, essentially a two D side scrolling platformer um, that is done with um, uh, in the style of Greek art, of ancient Greek art um, and hieroglyphics, and it's really interesting. Yeah, I- I've seen footage of the game. It does. It looks really fascinating. It is really interesting. I, I will say. Uh, uh, so first of all, I don't know that I've seen a game done quite like this aesthetically, and I think that is very interesting. The mechanics are. Um, there seems to be some light RPG elements to it. The mechanics are very familiar, as you would expect, with in terms of um, uh, you know traditional side-scrolling platformers. So far, I played about an hour of the game, and uh, you get multiple different weapons. I've had spears, I've had swords. Uh, they do, I've had throwing weapons. They do different things. Obviously, um, it, it's a. It appears to be. It doesn't. I, I have a feeling it's going to turn sort of Metroidvania-ish in terms of uh, returning to places. Uh, that you have that. been, but I but I haven't had that experience quite yet. But I get the sense that it will be that. Um, so I think it's interesting. I will say, Brent, it felt a little um, basic to me. I, I I don't know if I undervalue the game. Maybe perhaps because it was free. I'm not sure. Um, but it felt pretty basic to me. And after about an hour, I uninstalled the game. Um, I am not big on side scrolling. I, I know, right? I am not big on side scrolling <laughs> platformers in general. Uh, there's only also uh, you swine. There's only a few, you know. Obviously, the Rayman series has grabbed me. Little Big Planet has grabbed me, uh, and then a couple other sort of more interesting what I what I consider to be more interesting versions or iterations on that, like uh, Swapper uh, and um, uh, what was the other one, The Outcast, that I really really liked. Um, uh, but other than that, I'm not someone in general. I mean, I guess Super Meat Boy. Um, although I feel like Super Meat Boy's 
a sort of a, a, a uh, it's almost more of a puzzle game. In a, uh, in a yeah, way. it's it's a two D side scrolling platformer on like crack cocaine. But um, yeah. so I, I think it's interesting if you know it's free. Obviously, if you have the PS4 and you have PS Plus, download this game. I think. Uh, for those of you that like this kind of game, I think this might be very interesting for you aesthetically, artistically. It's 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 a beautiful looking game. Uh, it's just you know not necessarily my cup of tea. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, yeah, you're forgiven. Thank you, uh, Brent. You've been playing some Wolf Among Us again. Uh, I have been playing the Wolf Among Us as I've been detailing these last few weeks. Uh, I have finished episode four at this point, and I have to tell you that episode four left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, for me, thus far, the the gameplay has peaked at episode two. Uh, for for me personally, uh, I I really really enjoyed the detective work going on in in episode two of The Wolf Among Us, and everything that's followed has been. I mean, there's been discovery. Don't get me wrong, uh, and certainly the way that the conversations work within the game, you are. You know, you have to kind of find the right approach, the right touch with with each person in order to, you know, try and get information out of them or whatever. But the point is that uh, I've not been as enamored of the gameplay in episodes three or four. And episode four was short. Episode four was only about an hour long. Um, so I I really thought I finished episode four and I was just kind of like, yeah, it wasn't as good as I hoped it was. And I really thought about just pushing straight on through to episode five and and gorging myself in a double fisting, double serving of telltale excitement. Uh, but I I held off, so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up the last the last chapter um, this week. So you'll have to wait two weeks because, as we said, we are not having a show next week. Uh, you have to wait two weeks to hear about that. But I am uh, I'm I'm anxious to finish the game up, and I do want to just. I want to make the distinction. If I were doing a review score, see, I wouldn't be able to do this. But I want to make the distinction that I'm enjoying the story immensely. The characters, the the mythology, and the the underlying themes that are being explored in this game, uh, particularly those themes that deal with with alienation, with with bigotry, uh, all of the all of the really interesting things that are kind of going on under the surface of the main narrative, I love. Uh, it's just the gameplay that I find to be thin in places. I thought that The Wolf Among Us started really, really strongly uh, in episodes one and two, and has it, it, it feels like it peaked early. I, I've not been as, as enamored of what I've played since. Was it, the story good of, enough to, to make you sort of forget that the gameplay was yeah. may, maybe a little lackluster in that particular episode? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of the story, in terms of what's going on, in terms of how you're seeing, uh, you know, characters uh, change as you find out more information about them and, and your kind of relationship to them, your uh, your attitudes towards them. I, I love I love what's going on in the story. The story is what's keeping me there right now. Um, so I'm hoping that episode five will will kind of wrap things up in, in, in a more satisfying way. Uh, or at least more fulfilling way than than three or four have been, um, but anyway, that that's the main thing is that that I feel like I feel like the pacing in terms of gameplay, I feel like the pacing is a little bit off in in terms of the fact that the mechanics 
that they introduced early on, they don't seem to really be utilizing so much at this at this point. And that's disappointing because I really like those mechanics. Yeah, fair enough. I'll be curious. So, to see, I, too, will be curious to see sort of how uh, how episode five rounds it out for you. Yeah, how it all comes together. Indeed. All right. So what's up? Uh, what's up next for you? Um, Brent, the only game I've really been playing all week this week, again, is Dying Light. Um, uh, again, uh-huh. I go back to the fact that I'm thoroughly enjoying this game. Uh, almost everything I've said in the previous weeks uh, I'm, uh, stands to be true, although the scripting is bothering me less at this point, and as are the uh, maybe subpar in, in graphics inside of buildings. But um, the game just keeps getting better and better. I, you know, I'm, I'm 25 hours into it at this point. I've completed Jesus. 80. I know, right? Uh, I completed 81% of the story. Um, I. Uh, it's just fun. The mechanics are fun, and the progressions, uh, 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 the RPG progressions, and the weapons getting better, and that sort of stuff are, are fantastic. And uh, something I've come to discover this week, Brent, which I'm really, really excited about, is there are Easter eggs throughout this game. For example, um, I learned my 11 year old nephew told me this, and then I looked some of them up. I think, did I mention to you before on the air about the Mario level? No, I don't think you did. So there's a Mario. So 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 you know, parkour is a big part of this game. You're you're parkouring across roofs all the time, and there's a Mario level where you, if you go to the right roof uh, and you crouch down on top of a pipe that's coming out of the top of a house, uh, you sink into it, and there is an eight bit Mario level. Dude, uh, that's fantastic. It completely looks totally a hundred percent different from the game. It's yeah. an eight bit level. Uh, and if you uh, if you uh, go through the level, you get like a special weapon. Um, wow! There's another cool. one. There's another one that was called. Uh, you get a sword called EXP Caliber, I think is what it's called. Um, and you basically, you swim out to this rock that's in the in the ocean, like in the middle of the ocean that you probably would never think to swim to otherwise. You kill. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, you find a dead body laying there with a sword stuck in it, like a golden sword. And when you pick up things on the ground, you hold the square button for maybe two, three seconds. Well, on this one, you have to hold the button for like two and a half to three full minutes to show that you have the strength to pull Excalibur out of the rock. And uh-huh. then you get this Excalibur sword, which is, does like three or four times the damage that any other sword in the game does. They do it so brilliantly. Any other sword in the game at that point. Uh, but they do it so brilliantly. So most all weapons are repairable. And that sort of thing. This weapon is like just does just tremendous damage. It's a one hit kill at that point in the game to everything. But it's got very little durability, and it, it gets destroyed very quickly. Um, yeah. But you retain the blueprint to build it. But to build it takes a lot of this particular resources. resource that's hard to find. And so you get yeah. this this weapon as a reward for this Easter egg. You get to play with it and have fun <clears> with it and be godlike for a little while. But it's not like it just totally changes the face of the game. It's it's really well done. Um, uh, nice they, little reward. Several, several other things like that. I found another Easter egg to build a stink bomb where you, on the roof of, a, of one of the, of the tower, the main tower, there's a checkerboard. And if you go back and forth to that checkerboard five separate times and play, play one of the checkers... Uh, and then uh, you go back a sixth time, you get a blueprint for a stink bomb. But you, it's it's an Easter egg. It would be hard to sort of figure that out. There's stuff like this littered throughout the game. References to Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, um, all throughout the game, which I just love, absolutely love in a game. And I can't wait to discover uh, more of them. I think it's so interesting. Um, 
How so, fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I, I'm just totally enjoying the game. The game is, uh, it, it's it's just a tremendous amount of fun, Brent. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm looking forward to, uh, like I said, I'm 80% through the game, which for me in an open world game is very unusual this quickly. But I just spent the last hour before coming on here doing a side mission that I got totally sucked into. And I'm already sort of mentally prepared to finish the story of the game and I don't care and just go back and start looking for some of these Easter eggs and because they have, you know, super cool weapons hidden throughout and special grenades. And, uh, it's really fun, Brent. And the, and the, um, the, the, the gameplay is just fantastic. The pacing is fantastic. Really enjoying the game. I want to do want to say one other thing about this game, which is uh, kind of an odd thing to say, but it just, it stands out to me. So it's really interesting. So this game has a tower climbing mechanic, Okay. Uh, like other games do, it is not. Thank God, it is not like. Well, it, it's not climb yeah, this ahead. tower and unlock this area of the map. Okay, so I was I was like, you mean like Assassin's Creed or? Well, it's like Assassin's Creed. It's like Far Cry Four or Far Cry Three, uh, in the sense that you're climbing. You know, more like Far Cry Three and Four in the sense that you're climbing to the top of these like radio towers sometimes or other mm-hmm. towers, cranes, stuff like that. But it's not. It does not work like those games where you have to climb these towers to unlock things. There are just various missions throughout the game, maybe there's been four or five of them to this point, where you find yourself climbing something like a tower, a radio tower. Uh, but what I wanted to say is, Brent, is that this game does it so much better than any of those other games has done. I really feel a sense of not only challenge, but also, like, fear uh, of falling when playing these, which I've never felt with these other games that I've played that with. Um, yeah, it's just a given you're going to go to the top. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it's really... Um, they do a really good job of that. I know it's an odd thing to call out, but I, we've seen it in so many other games, and I think it's just so it's done in such a mediocre fashion in other games that when I've encountered it in this game, it's really stood out to me as being well done. Um, so yeah, man, it's just it's a really great combination of um good combat, fun parkour, frightening at times, um, some brutal finishing moves, and watching like I've gotten weapons now where I'm at the point where I can not inconsistently uh, slice people's heads off and their bodies just kind of like shamble about for a second trying to figure out how to die and then they die and it's, it's just fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic to watch. I really, uh, I, I'm really, really enjoying this game and I'm really curious to hear um, what other people think of it because uh, I haven't seen much talk about it on the website and I'm curious for people who are playing it if they're enjoying it as much as I am. I, I think it's a really well done game. Sweet. It sounds really cool. I mean, obviously, I'm not playing it myself, but listening to you talk about it over the last few weeks has, I will admit, it has more than piqued my interest in, you know, maybe picking it up on sale or, or trying to get it from Redbox or something like that. You definitely should, man. It's very, like, I'm very surprised. I'm very pleasantly surprised. And it does have uh, a, a many of the genres, just, you know, standard tropes about it. But. Uh, it, it rises above that, in my opinion, with some really good gameplay, strong looting mechanic, and strong pacing. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. So I'm going to, I guess I'll close out the road uh, this week and talk a little bit about uh, what I've been playing. And I tell you what I've been doing a lot of is I've been playing uh, games on my iPad, uh, or my new iPad, I should say. Uh, I had an iPad 2, which I was very fond of and, uh, and played many, ga- many a game on, but uh, I sold it. Uh, I sold it to uh, to a friend of mine uh, who who was in need more than I, and uh, her uh, her iPad had been uh, had been lifted out of her coffee shop. I'm sad to say, and uh, so anyway, it was just you know 
it was one of those things that I wasn't using it a lot at the time, and uh, and and she had just lost hers. So I was like, yeah, what you know, what the hell? I'll go ahead and I'll sell it. I'll get another one somewhere down the road. Well, basically, I've missed my iPad every day since I uh, since I sold it to my friend Sarah, and um, I uh, I'd, I'd really I'd really been missing it as of late, and kind of especially with some of the games and things that are coming out, some of the things that are going to be coming out. This War of Mine, as an example. That was something I was really interested in playing on the iPad. Well, anyway, uh, my wife uh, surprised me with an uh, with an early Valentine's Day present and gave me an iPad too, uh, or excuse me, an iPad Air too, and uh, it was uh, extremely cool of her. She's an awesome lady, and uh, since I got my iPad Air too, I've basically just been gaming on it nonstop. I've been playing obviously Star Wars Commander as I often do. But also uh, going back and playing some of the best of the best uh, that gaming has to offer on the iPad. Things like XCOM, uh, things like Hitman Go, and especially the Banner Saga. I I talked about playing the Banner Saga on my iPhone 6 and how I I had a good experience with that. Somebody asked me specifically if they thought that playing the Banner Saga on on a smaller size screen like a phone would be all that fun. And I said, yes, it's fun. It totally works at this size. Completely doable. But I would be really, really excited to play this on an iPad. And I was right, because it kicks serious ass. The game looks gorgeous. And I think that I think that the tablet is the perfect uh it's the perfect sort of screen size for, for some of these games. Banner Saga, XCOM especially look fantastic. I think Hitman Go works on the on the phone pretty pretty well, as well as it does on tablet, but I think XCOM and uh and Banner Saga especially benefit from that tablet size screen. So I've been gaming my eyes out um, since I got my new iPad and, uh, and I'm looking forward to, to doing quite a bit more of that as, as more games come out for it, especially things like uh, this war of mine. I'm dying to play that on the iPad. I think that that, that that's one of those game experiences that I would relish having access to wherever i am remind me that's it's it's not yet on the ipad right it's coming no it's not they uh they they say on their on their website they talk about the fact that they have a version for ios that is in development but the last time i looked which this was going back to whenever we talked about it on the show i can't remember uh I, i think it was late last year but uh whenever we talked about it on the show I, I checked their website at that time, and they said that they were working on it, but they didn't have any kind of timeline for when it might come out. Yeah, I think that game will play very well on the iPad as well. I agree. So anyway, uh, that's it, and uh, I may have some I may have some more updates uh, depending on what I get into uh, in the coming weeks, and, and certainly what games come out. But um, for now, I'm just I'm really happy to I'm really happy to have the iPad again and the ability to game on it, which uh, there's. You know, every every single month, there's more and more really good stuff to play. That's awesome, man. Uh, there's a couple. Have you played uh, 80 Days? Is it 80 Days? Uh, I've not. Have you played? I'm not familiar uh, with it either, so I can't I can't tell you if the name is correct or not. I'm pretty sure it's called 80 Days, and I think that uh, uh, I think that maybe you should check it out as well as what yep. was. Did you play the game? I can't remember what it was called. That uh, uh, where you're moving the you're moving yourself through the comic book pains. Oh no, we talked about that. I can't yep. remember. I can't remember the name of that, but we talked about that, and that was super cool. I'm looking at 80 days right now. Is this like, or like, or is this some variation on Around the World in 80 Days? 
I, I believe it is. Uh, I haven't. There's no one in an Android version, so I haven't played it yet. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Based on Jules Verne's classic story, yep. 80 Days takes you around the world in a choose-your-own-adventure game that'll have you riveted. Oh, it is interesting. All right, cool. I might have to. I might have to pick that up. Uh, I'm happy I can give you games that I can't play. Sweet, happy, and jealous. Uh, all yes, right, man. Brent. With uh, I think that's it. I think that does it. I think with that we're gonna drive on and we're gonna turn it over to the. Uh, the Outlaw Gamer crew and let them comment on everything we talked about as usual, guys. Uh, Brent's iPad games, XCOM, Banner Saga, Hitman Go, anything you're playing. Dying Light, The Wolf Among Us, Apotheon, Apothe- Apotheon. Uh, what we talked about when we were hanging out in the clubhouse, how should review uh, games be reviewed uh, and what your thoughts are on that topic. And then, of course, while we were out in the garage, we talked about summer camp announcement trailer, the Order 1886 experience, the announcement trailer for White Knight, and uh, the new Portal mod, Portal Stories, Mel. We want to know what you guys think about those topics and anything related to gaming or the gaming industry today. We'd love to hear your comments and interact with you as usual. As we said uh, earlier in the show a couple of times, there will not be an Outlaw Gamer Radio next week as Brent and I will not be available, but we will be back the following week at our usual time. So with that, we will say goodbye. And as usual, here's Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. <laughs>